0: On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, four daughters and one dead father. One of them killed him. But why? Let's get started and find out. Hello and welcome to The Murder, She Wrote Podcast, where I watch every single episode of the 80-slash-90 show, Murder, She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and five-time Tony Award winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, Deadly Lady. Hi, if you're new to the Murder, She Wrote Podcast, and you just found me, I'm on so many platforms I couldn't even tell you, um... I'm your host, DJ Craig, and here's a little bit about me before we get started. If you didn't listen to my intro episode. But let's face it, lots of people skip those. Okay, so I started the Murder, She Wrote podcast about two years ago on YouTube. During the pandemic, it blew up, and it even got more popular during this summer. Basically, I did it by the simplest of ways. I recorded it on my laptop, converted it to an mp3 file, put it on Windows Movie Maker with a picture of the episode, and uploaded it to YouTube. Very simple. To the point. Unfortunately, technology has changed, and my desktop computer decided it doesn't want to be working anymore. So. After exhausting my search to find editing software that would allow me to continue to do it the way I was doing it, unfortunately, I did not find any. And so I decided to use the Anchor app, where you can do your podcast for free, and it distributes it to all the platforms, some that I haven't even heard of. And this technology is new to me. I grew up in the 90s. I'm from the age of floppy disks, CD ROM, you couldn't be on the internet and the phone at the same time. How do we survive? I don't know. But honestly, so I'm learning as I go, and I'm not entirely sure, you know, if I'm reaching people, if people are listening, or how exactly this works. So I'm learning as I go, and I'm on so many platforms already, and I've only done like an intro episode and the murder. Sherlock Holmes, which was the pilot movie. So if you're new here and you're just tuning in to this episode, um, I basically love Murder, She Wrote. It's one of my all-time favorite shows and two years ago I got the complete series on DVD and decided, you know, this would make a great podcast. I had started a Baywatch podcast on YouTube, but that ended up not going very well. And I thought Murder, She Wrote would be far more better because I love Murder, She Wrote, and Baywatch I'm not so fond of. I was just challenging myself to see if I could do it. And I wasn't expecting the response I got with the Murder, She Wrote podcast. I posted it in some Murder, She Wrote podcast. groups, fan groups on Facebook, and they took to it, and they encouraged me to continue. And now I have to start all over on this platform, because some of my recordings have been lost, and also they weren't good in the beginning, because I was still learning. So, and with my ADHD, it's sometimes hard to get myself in the mindset to record an episode but I'm fully committed to this, and I have to redo everything, because I was almost through season two on YouTube, but I'm back to season one here on the on the Anchor app here on the Murder She podcast. So hopefully that intro wasn't too long for you, and you're still with me after all of the things I've just said, because I'm still going to talk about the episode, and, uh, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the episode, the murder of the sex place, everything in between. You can't do the uh, talk about Murder, She Wrote without doing that. So, if you're like me, when you're listening to a podcast where they are watching a show, go watch the show first, and then come back and listen to me. And I know, there are several Murder, She Wrote podcasts out there. I unfortunately didn't come up with an original title, just calling it The Murder, She Wrote Podcast, but all the good titles were taken. There's Cabot Cove Confidential. There's What Would J.B. Fletcher Do? Um, Wine and Murder, She Wrote. And a couple others I can't remember the name of at this moment. Um, but anyway, unlike them, there, there are a lot of podcasts out there that skip around like they might talk about the pilot movie but they'll go and they'll talk about season 5 episode 19 or something and I don't do that I have to go in order when I'm when I'm doing something like this and when I'm listening to a podcast I'll go back listen to all the episodes and then I'll watch the episode they're talking about so that I can see if they noticed the same things that I did when they were watching the episode so if you're like me and you own the DVDs Get your season one DVD out, and this is the second thing that you'll see on the first disc. And if you don't own the DVDs like I do, you can watch the episode for free on NBC's Peacock app, as well as IMDb TV, and if you are a subscriber of Amazon Prime, you can also watch the show on there. Now, let's talk about the very first episode of Murder, She Wrote, deadly lady now the reason why this is the first official episode is what most fans don't know is that the pilot movie the death of sherlock holmes was a movie they did that to test the waters of the series and then this is the first official episode of the first season for some reason when they put the show into syndication they they decided to syndicate it into two parts and make it seem like it was part of the show when in truth, it was not. And this happens to a lot of shows in syndication. Um, They cut a lot of stuff out and I really don't understand why. This has happened to the Golden Girls, Designing Women, Little House on the Prairie, the list goes on and on. And I honestly don't understand why they do that. Because... Sometimes they cut out very crucial details that make sense when you watch the episode as it originally aired. Thank goodness, DVDs are releasing the episodes in their entirety. But yes, this was the first official episode of season one, and in my opinion, it's a very odd way to open the show. And I'll get into why. The first official episode of season one, episode one, aired on October 7th, 1984, about about seven days after the pilot movie. And in my opinion, it's a very odd way to open the series, because picture this. You are watching this in 1984. Now, there was no such thing as a DVR. There was no way... Unless you had a VCR, and you recorded it when it first aired, you would miss something, because they never really re-ran things. At least to my knowledge, they didn't. So imagine, like, you missed the pilot movie, and this is your first introduction to Murder, She Wrote. This episode doesn't really do a very good job of re-establishing Jessica. Like the pilot movie explained to us that she is a widow and that mystery writing was her hobby. And she became a bestselling author because her nephew Grady submitted her manuscript to his friend who happened to work at a publishing house. And that was that. And she also solved the murder of the, of a, Mr. in the in the pilot movie in the murder of Sherlock Holmes and put Preston Giles in prison which there's no reference made in the first episode of the season and we have no idea how much time has passed if it's still 1984 or if it's a different year I'm not entirely sure the show is not clear also if you ever wanted to figure out continuity um How many books Jessica has published is also, you know, up in the air. And this one is established that she only has three books published, but I know in the next episode, Birds with Feather, she claims she published more books than that. There's a lot of continuity issues throughout season one with how many books she's actually published. This is also the first episode set entirely in Cabot Cove. And is the first murder to happen in Cabot Cove. There will be several murders that happen in Cabot Cove. I am sure that there is a fan somewhere out there that has calculated just how many people have been murdered in Cabot Cove. And I remember, I don't know what episode it is, but I remember seeing a sign in one of the episodes set in Cabot Cove where it says, The nicest place to live. And the only other thing I've seen that in is Dante's Peak. And that town was destroyed bol- by a volcano in that movie and it doesn't seem to be a nice place to live as people seem to always be murdering people in this town either people who live there or people who are just visiting so in this episode we introduced to one of my favorite characters and my, one of my favorite actors Sheriff Tupper, played by Tom Bosley, who played the father on Happy Days. He plays the sheriff of the town and will be a recurring character for a long time. We also get meet, get introduced to Captain Ethan, um, played by Claude Atkins, who unfortunately will only be on the show in a handful of episodes. I still haven't figured out why he didn't stick around. Maybe they decided that they wanted somebody different for Jess, But it's established that her and Ethan have been best friends for several years. Versus it seems that this is the first episode where she's dealing with Sheriff Tupper directly. And I have so many questions about this episode. Okay, so let's dive in. We start off this episode, there's a terrible storm. Jessica is trying to write. Her lights flicker and she says, oh please... Three paragraphs and I can go to bed. And suddenly Ethan shows up. He is a captain. He has a boat. And uh, he's coming to see if Jessica's okay. And she says, well, now the lights are out. I can't finish writing my book. So I might as well just go to bed. And he says, well, it looks like I'm going to do that too. He said, I got a call, a distress call from a yacht, but the storm's too bad. I can't go out there. And she says okay, and she ends up going to bed. The next day, she gets up early, does her usual jog around the town, and comes back to find a strange man chipping her roses bush, her rose bush. And she goes, "Excuse me, but who are you?" And he says, "The name's Ralph, ma'am." And I noticed that there's lots of things around here. That need to be fixed. And I earn my keep. I would really much like it if you had a meal. But uh. I'll finish chipping this here rose bush. And then you can let me in. And. Right away she lets him in and cooks him breakfast. He notices a book. Sitting on her. Kitchen counter, and he says, I think I've read this one. Oh my goodness, you wrote this. And Mrs. Fletcher's like, well, as a matter of fact, I did. But she said, you couldn't have read that one. You see, that's an advanced copy. It hasn't been published yet. And looking at your clothes, they may be faded, but they look like they've been to a good tailor. And your wrist seems to have a tan line where there was a watch. Where is it? And he brings it out of his pocket of his shirt. And uh, she. he says, I didn't steal it. And she goes, I didn't say you did. He said, okay, ma'am. Maybe I'm not a drifter or, or hobing around, whatever that is, whatever they call it now. My wife just recently died several years ago, and I retired from where I work, and they gave me a hefty retirement settlement, but it wasn't enough. I want to travel the world, but I earn whatever I get. I don't take no charity or any hands out, and there are lots of things in this house that need to be repaired, and if you let me, I can really shape this place up. When, Mrs. When, he, when he says about his wife dying, Mrs. Fletcher, you know, has a moment of clarity with Frank being gone. And we have no idea how long Frank has been gone. I don't remember exactly when we learned that information. But she agrees to allow him to stay there and work. And then the phone rings. Sheriff Tupper is calling her. He says that he thinks that uh, a murder has occurred and he needs her to come down to help him. And I have questions about this. It's like, does he know that she's put Preston Giles in jail? Is that why he's calling her? Why does he ask her down there in the first place? It's not abundantly clear because later in the episode, he begins to treat her like he doesn't want her there even though he himself is the one who brought her in on the investigation in the first place so you can tell this is definitely the first episode and in my opinion it doesn't reestablish jessica i mean literally when it starts she's writing and then you know we get introduced to ralph and the sheriff calls her and she goes down to help him. But that doesn't explain to us why. Like, if you hadn't seen the pilot movie, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, The Murder of Sherlock Holmes, you wouldn't know why she's has a knack for solving crime. I mean, with Ralph, it's establishing that she notices little details and little things. But it doesn't establish, you know what this series is going to be, in my opinion. It does it better in Birds of a Feather the next episode after this. So Mrs. Fletcher goes down and it's the yacht that was sending the distress call the previous night during the storm. And here's a fun fact that you all might not have known. Initially when the show started, it was going to be shot on location at various different locations. For instance, this is a real town in Maine that they're shooting in where they shot the pilot, and they also shot the first episode here as well. The difference between this location and where they'll end up going, the Universal backlot, is you can tell that when Jessica goes to the dock the first time, there are some apartment buildings on top of a hill behind her. And in later episodes, those apartment buildings have disappeared because they ended up filming on the Universal backlot. The plan initially from um, something I saw on YouTube was they were going to shoot at the locations that Jessica was supposed to be at. Then Angela Lansbury had to travel back to the Universal Studios to suit to shoot on a sound stage where her house was built, where Jessica Fletcher's house was built, and it got to be too much for her in the first few episodes. For instance, the next episode oh. Sorry. For instance, the next episode that comes up, Birds of a Feather, was shot on location in San Francisco. And the episode after that was shot on location wherever it was, but eventually it got to be too much for Angela Lansbury to travel from one location and then back to the Universal Studios backlot. So they ended up deciding to shoot everything there because you pretty much can come up with any location, dress it, and make it look like she's somewhere else. And that happens about midway through season one. And you can tell the difference. And how I knew this was I watched a YouTube video where someone went on a tour at Universal Studios and they filmed it. And I had no idea. Like, for instance, I had no idea the Desperate Housewives Wisteria Lane was, a com- was filmed completely on the Universal Studios back lot. I had no idea that the town um from back to the future was on the universal studios backlot it's amazing to me it's completely amazing that like all of our favorite shows were not filmed on location but were actually filmed on a studio backlot like Gilmore girls um i believe maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer um and friends was never filmed in new york so that was kind of surprising too and i learned all that watching people take tours because i'm not rich i'll never be able to take tours there but anyway i find that stuff to be very fascinating so just look out for that detail you know and midway through season one you'll see a different pier that they're on they're on an actual pier and the pier that they use in the unit on the universal Backlot, they also used in the film jaws So yeah, but it's not this one. This was shot on location in an actual town in Maine. I don't know the actual name. And this is the only episode aside from the pilot that was shot there. So we get introduced to the four daughters, Linda Earl Shelby. Her husband has been notified and will be arriving in Cabot Cove. We get introduced to Maggie Earle, um, Nancy Earle, whom they call Nan, and Grace Earle. The sheriff insists that they explain their story to Mrs. Fletcher, and Ethan's like, you're only having her here because she wrote them books and amos says no i haven't read any of them so there's no clear motivation as to why he asked her there but as they get off the boat and they introduce themselves like lisa says my husband has been notified maggie doesn't say anything nan is very polite and shakes mrs sweatshirt's hand and then when grace is introduced she takes off her glasses and she says and i am grace Earl, and my husband isn't waiting for me. No, he ran off about four years ago. And it's like, um, you just met Mrs. Fletcher. You have no idea who she is except that she wrote books. And that's about it. Why would you tell her that detail of your life that your husband ran off of, ran off. And he's not waiting for you. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense to me. But they convene in like a... I guess I would call it a garage. Off of the pier. And Grace seems to be the speaker for the whole group. Apparently, their father, Stephen Earl, and them were taking a nice little cruise. And then the hurricane hit. The storm that was at the start of the episode and he was up on deck smoking his pipe and grace apparently went up there to go and get him to tell him to go below deck because they didn't want him to be washed overboard they knew exactly where they were off the coast of some island and uh Maggie came uh, up on deck to get her father down and then a huge wave came and rushed him overboard and they have no idea what happened to his body. Ethan says, there, you see? It was clearly an accident. And Grace has the nerve to say to Mrs. Fletcher, And that's what happened. But your sheriff seems to think there's something more. And Ethan says, I don't think so. It sounds like an accident to me. And Mrs. Fletcher says yes to me as well. So from there, Jessica goes back to her house. Or wait, Amos asks her what she thinks. And she's like, well, it's clearly an accident. There's not much more here. I don't know what else to say. And she goes home. And Ralph is there. He is taking a nap in a hammock. And Mrs. Swecher comes back. And her phone rings. And uh, she's informed by the telephone operator that there was a call to Paris. And that the charge is... uh, 15 dollars and 14 cents i think and she tells ralph this and he says i'm so sorry and she was like so why were you calling france and he's like no that's paris kentucky i'm betting on a horse there he said but i don't think it's a sure thing don't worry i'll pay for the charges so they go back in the house and he asks her about what happened because he overheard the phone call where she said murder. So she said, Oh, some old man was swept overboard off of a boat in the storm last night. But I think it was just an accident. He They go into her living room. and He shows her that the trim around her bay window is fading and he can repaint it if he can get some supplies. He then notices a pipe sitting on the windowsill and picks it up. Mrs. Fletcher... Gets all misty-eyed and teary-eyed because this was her husband's pipe frank and she gives it to ralph because it'll just collect dust if it sits there she gets overcome by emotion and has to leave the room ralph goes into the kitchen and apologizes to her she gives him money and he puts the pipe in his pocket And he says, I will be back later. I'm going to go get some supplies and I'll be back. After he leaves, Mrs. Fletcher is finishing up the dishes. And when the water with the suds goes down the sink, she looks at it and she's like, oh my goodness. She realizes that the girls were lying and this is their first lie. So she claims that they would not know their exact location, and if they were the eye in the eye of the storm, the sea would have been dead calm. A wave would not have rushed Mr. Earl off of the boat. So after beating around the bush, um, they reveal that Maggie actually shot him because they had some sort of Argument or confrontation, and she shot him because apparently he was a very mean person. And so she is arrested. Meanwhile, Stephen Shelby, Lisa's husband, comes, and he is a very not good character. He arrives via a helicopter in the middle of a field, which we never see that happen again in any other episode. So that's strange in itself. I'm sorry, some kids are screaming outside. I can't help that. But anyway, um, so Maggie is arrested and Stephen is only worried about who will get Stephen Earle's money. So the next day, a kid is playing fetch with his dog and he trips over a rock and finds the dead body of Stephen Earle. They think that it's consistent because there's a gunshot wound. And Mrs. Fletcher begins to think that something is wrong. And then that night One of the guys comes over to Hill House, which is the hotel, the local hotel, and shows them the paper. And in the paper, there's a picture of Stephen Earl, but it's actually Ralph, the man that was at Jessica's house. So she knows that that body has not been in the ocean very long. She goes to the police station to talk to maggie and they inform her that her father was dead and uh mm -mm. she says but he can't be dead so this is lie number two guys all right so she claims that she didn't actually shoot her father the plan was not for him to actually die they were trying to lure a man named Terry Jones, out of hiding, who was trying to go after Nan's money. And they were going to see if Terry would try to collect the money from his life insurance policy. So Maggie doesn't know how he ended up dead. Coincidences of coincidences, Terry Jones shows up after claiming that he heard the news of Stephen Earle's death on the radio. And begins to get back into Grace's good graces. (laughs) Eventually, though, so Maggie is actually released and everything seems okay. Sheriff Tupper gets angry at Mrs. Fletcher and does not want her involved in his investigation when she suggests that that... It wasn't an accident that happened on the boat, and I didn't understand his anger and frustration because he's the one that, you know, brought her in on the investigation. If you didn't want her to help, why did you bring her here? But now she's bound and determined than ever to solve the crime because she knew him. As Ralph, but she knew him nonetheless. So next... Um, Mrs. Fletcher talks to the coroner. They found her husband's pipe in his pocket that confirms that she really did see him and that he really was alive. Um, and so now she's bound and determined to never to figure something to figure out who killed him. She goes to the sheriff's office and there's this, uh, deputy woman. Um, we never see her again as far as I know don't even know her name she says i don't think that we should tell you i don't think i should tell you where he is quite frankly he doesn't want you to know and then she's on the phone and she's like yeah the sheriff's up on the beach someone said they found something interesting up there and mrs fletcher runs to the beach and she's like mrs fletcher hold on there mrs fletcher's already gone so she shows up to the beach and he seems angry that she's there. And they have found a pair of pink shoes. And Mrs. Fletcher finds the heel because somebody broke the heel off of the shoe. And Mrs. Fletcher can tell they've never been worn. And she knows exactly whose shoes they are. She goes to the Hill House Hotel. Maggie, Stephen, and Lisa have been out celebrating. There was a scene just before this where Stephen suggests that they can get rid of Nan and Grace very easily. Implying that maybe he's the killer, but believe me, he's not. But Mrs. Fletcher comes to Hill House, the hotel, and she she goes to Nan's room, and she asks Nan if these are her shoes, and she says, yes, I have them custom made. I don't know where they are. And Amos holds them up and looks, and Nan says, yes those are my shoes but how did you get them and amos says that they found them on the beach not too far from where her father's dead body was nan claims that she didn't do it and mrs fletcher has her put them on and looks at her feet and that'll come back in a minute And Nan insists that she did not kill her father. And Mrs. Fletcher says, I believe you. So she says, but Sheriff, you should arrest Grace just to be on the safe side. So Grace gets arrested as Stephen, Maggie, and Lisa are coming back from celebrating Maggie's exoneration. They watch as Grace is, or I'm sorry, Nan is arrested it, it's hard to like keep track of these four characters then she gets them all in the main lobby of the hotel and she says i'm not i would like to search your rooms to see if any of you have found know where the missing shoes are and maggie says well you Lisa says, well, lady, you're not searching my room unless you can come back here with a warrant. And then her and Steven go to bed. Maggie says, you're welcome to search my room. And reveals herself to be the killer, spoiler, by saying, but you won't find anything. I don't know where they are and I don't wear pink. Later, um, Mrs. Fletcher leaves a bag with with the heel of the shoe in it. And that night, Maggie breaks into Mrs. Fletcher's house and reveals her to be the killer. Basically, she did this for revenge because apparently, um, Nan was Stephen's favorite daughter he never cared about what Maggie did or what Maggie wanted so she took advantage of his insurance scheme to lure out Terry Jones which turns out to be a jackass when when he thinks that Nan killed her father he doesn't want to be involved with her and decides just to leave and Nan is of course feels like a fool But according to Maggie, Nan was the favorite and she wanted to frame her for the murder to do two birds with one stone and she attempts to kill Mrs. Fletcher, but Mrs. Fletcher has had the phone on the whole time and sheriff, the sheriff has overheard everything that she has said, although I find that hard to believe since she wasn't that close to the receiver. It's not like, it wasn't like cell phones nowadays to where you can put it on speaker and you can hear everything that the person is saying. It was a completely different phone system back then. Honestly, I've seen this episode multiple times. And. It doesn't make sense for Maggie to be the killer. But anyway, the episode ends with. Mrs. Fletcher and Nan parting ways and Nan promising to write to her. Because it seemed like Mrs. Fletcher seemed to like the only person in the group was Nan. And Nan is the only likable character. We don't really know much about the others. And what we do know, they're just really weird. But in my opinion, it doesn't make any sense for Maggie to be the killer because why would you falsely confess that you shot him and then go and actually shoot him? It doesn't make any sense. And the show doesn't do a very good job of trying to make us think that the other girls did the crime. You think maybe it's Lisa's husband, Stephen, but unfortunately, you know, nothing is done with that. And like I said, this isn't a good way to open this show, but, and it's not my favorite of season one, but I still like it, because Angela Lansbury makes it worth watching. And in the end, after Nan leaves, Ethan and Mrs. Ledger go off fishing. And that's the first episode of the series. And I would rate this as, oh, I don't know how a rating system would go. I mean, one through ten, I would rate it a five. Because it's not, it doesn't do a good job of reestablishing Jessica as a writer and why we're watching her in the show. Also, it doesn't do a very good job of establishing Cabot Cove and the area. In And as far as murders go, this one was kind of flimsy. And a lot of it relies on things that happened off screen. We're having to rely on the girls for the story of what, What kind of father stephen earl was and he was an actor so he was playing a role with jessica when he was pretending to be ralph so he seemed like a nice guy and i know that he was on the golden girls let's go over the guest stars and see if anyone appears in more episodes of this show i'm not going to go over clyde atkins or tom bosley because i know that they appear in several episodes so, we're going to start off with Dorian Clark, who played Nancy Earle, the good daughter. She is still alive, and she's known for her. The Warriors in 1979, Quantum Leap, awesome show, Too Far To Go, uh, I think that's a movie, and The Powers of Matthew Starr. She's appeared in thirty-three different things. Her last known credit is a show called Providence. In two thousand, she guest starred on Chicago Hope. A Madlock, and she will appear in a couple episodes of Murder She Wrote. So we'll go over her her more of her guest appearances once we get to those episodes. Howard. Duff played the role of Ralph slash Stephen Earl, our murder victim. And I know I saw him on The Golden Girls, so we shall see. He died in 1990 at the age of 76. He is known for The Naked City, um, TV show, No Way Out, Kramer vs. Kramer, and Brute Force. He was in 138 different things. His last known credit is a movie called Too Much Sun in 1990. And he guest starred in the episode Curse Makes a Lousy Wedding Present. I love that episode of The Golden Girls. It was so funny. You know, the episode where he's like, I asked Sophia to marry me several years ago and she turned me down. And when I asked her again, she again turned me down. So now, from now on, I'm gay. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, he was in the original Knott's Landing. Magnum P.I., the original Dallas, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Hotel, and this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He appeared in The Love Boat, Flamingo Road, East of Eden. Uh, miniseries, Young Maverick, Lou Grant, The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries, The Original Fantasy Island. So he had a really long and awesome career. May he rest in peace. Marilyn Hazlitt um, starred guest starred as Maggie Earle, our killer. I don't remember seeing her in anything. She's still alive. She is known for The Other Side of the Mountain, Two Minute Warning, 1976, The Bell Jar, and The Other Side of the Mountain, Part 2. She was in 26 different things. Her last note credit as being in some short called Bad High. Um, and she will appear in a couple other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, so we will go over more of our guest appearances when we get to those episodes. Richard Hatch played the role of Terry Jones, the gold digger, I guess you'd call him that. He didn't get much to do in the episode. He died in 2017 at the age of 71. He's known for Battlestar Galactica, um, movies, and television show. He was in a 100 Different Things. His last known credit is something that hasn't even been released yet. Starship 2, Rendezvous with Ramses, Dead by Friday, and After Hell. All of these things apparently have not been released yet. Um... He was also in Star Trek, New Voyagers Phase 2, Baywatch, the soap opera Santa Barbara, Hotel, Love Boat, the original Dynasty, TJ Hooker. This is the only episode of Murder She Wrote. He was also on Fantasy Island, the original. Um, and the original TV series of Battlestar Galactica. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. The Waltons, the original Y50. The original movie, The Haddonfields and McCoys. you that was great. Perry Mason, The New Perry Mason. So he had quite a wonderful career. Wish he would have had more to do in this episode. Anne Lockhart played the role of Grace Earl, the one who overshared about her life when we first see her. She's still alive. She is known for The Time Traveler's Wife, Alien vs. Predator, as a crew. And collateral damage as crew, and buried as crew. Um, her last known credit is Chicago Fire as a emergency nurse. She was in the line game Law and Order: Criminal Intent. The original Law and Order as a policewoman, but she was uncredited. She was on Law and Order. Special Victims Unit, NCIS, Law and Order Trial by Jury. She did some voice work for Chicken Little, I liked that movie, in 2005. She guest starred on Diagnosis Murder, Jag, Walker, Texas Ranger. She was in The Bold and Beautiful in a couple episodes. And she will appear... In abundance of other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, all the way from 1994 to 1994. So we will get go over more of her guest starring roles when we get to those episodes. Uh, Dec Rambo played the role of Brian Shelby. I he looked familiar. I know I've seen him somewhere. He died in 1994 at the age of 52. He is known for the original Gunsmoke, the new Loretta Young show, Sword of Justice TV show, and Wonder Woman, the original TV show. His last known credit is being on Another World as Grant Harrison in from 1979 to 1992. Um, he will appear in two other episodes of Murder, She Wrote, so we'll go over more of his credentials there. And I could have seen him on Another World because my grandmother loved that show. And our last guest star was Cassie Yates, who played Lisa Shelby Earle. She's still alive. She is known for Rolling Thunder, Magnum P.I., Simon and & Simon, and the TV show Vegas. Her last known credit is 2018's The Other Side of the Wind. She guest starred on The Drew Carey Show, Silk Stockings, and she will appear in several other episodes of Murder, She Wrote. So we'll go over more of her credentials then. Well, everyone, that's our episode. Not a lot of famous guest stars in this one. And that's one of my favorite parts of Murder, She Wrote is finding out, you know, what they appeared in if they appear in another episode and how they do in that episode versus this one um next i will be covering birds with feather it's one of my favorite episodes of season one because jeannie francis from general hospital and jeff conway from greece is in it and i absolutely love it so hope you have a great night day depending on when you listen to this thank you so much and i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i enjoyed talking about it happy crime solving and i'll see you in the next one